Well, hello and welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is Stephen Robles and joining me this week is William from the UK. Thanks for joining me, William. Thanks, Stephen. Nice to be here, except uh, why are we doing this on a podcast? Shouldn't we be doing Zoom conferences like everybody else in the world? Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that easy segue. Now, have you actually been using Zoom yes. pretty often? A lot. I got some great emails from listeners about some of the topics and got some feedback about other things. Still looking for a great and secure and complete way to remove Zoom from a Mac. Yes. It's tough because I've been using it so often. I think removing it might be more of a hassle than than just leaving it. But given today's news, which we'll talk about in a second, I, I still want to remove it. How do you uninstall apps from your Mac when you really want it like totally gone? Well, actually, I have Hazel on my Mac. So if I drag a, an app to the uh, trash, uh, Hazel will go, but what about these related files? And I'll go, yeah get rid of them and then it's all gone <laughs> except for zoom which i must admit i haven't tried uh, uh, to get rid of yet but i, I hear the stories and uh, kaspersky uh, the antivirus stuff that i think is a virus application that will not go um but other than that i've had no problems uh, am i just been lucky or are you more often troubled by these things so when i get a new mac i don't know about you but i actually never migrate my old Mac. I like to start totally fresh and really just install the bare necessities at the beginning and then install. If a use case comes up where I do need a piece of software or something else, I will install it as I need it and to really try and keep it as clean as possible. You know, I will install Final Cut, I'll install Logic, I install 1Password, Text Expander, which I use pretty often a clipboard manager, and then I'll just go as I need, you know, after I set up my account. So so I typically don't have to uninstall applications because I'm pretty picky about what I install. And I've used like App Cleaner before. And so I'm going to check out Hazel though. I will check that out. And because uh, you said uh, you've had good experience with it. Hazel is one of the reasons to have a Mac. That thing it does with you um, knowing what you need to delete is like the smallest pixel of what it can do on your Mac. I run part of my invoicing through it because I save a file to a certain folder. It sees it and hands it off automatically to something else. Uh, it's an astounding piece of work, Hazel. But I've got to stop you. I like this idea of not migrating. I did just do a migration for somebody and uh, I thought it was the dullest few hours I'd spent watching this <laughs> thing go. Uh, but you mentioned that you have a clipboard manager and that's one of your kind of essentials. So do I, but which one is yours? That's a good question because I was for a long time using Copied, C-O-P-I-E-D, because they have an iOS and a Mac app and they actually sync. It syncs your clipboard. I found it to start getting pretty buggy in Catalina and it was was not uh, saving my snippets and allowing me to copy it as easily. So I switched to CopyClip, which I think is a few dollars in the Mac app store. And I use that on the Mac. It doesn't have an iOS app, but... I just don't use one on the on my iPhone right now. Which one do you use? Well, actually, I must look into that one because I've not heard of it. Uh, I use Alfred, uh, which, again, is one of these that does a million yes. things. Actually, that's the thought. I have Alfred as my main one, but I also have Keyboard Maestro, which is able to do wacky things right. with the clipboard as well. But, yes, Alfred is, is under my fingers as I right. do it, and it's so useful. Anyway, when I've done a sideline there. No, 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 it's good. Before I... I used Alfred for a long time before Spotlight had kind of the 
instant search feature. Yeah. You know, once Spotlight got really good, I stopped using Alfred, but Alfred's a great tool. I've also used Keyboard Maestro, and I loved the automation steps that you could program into it. It's a powerful application. And so if you've never checked that out, definitely check that out. But I am very guilty of fiddling with something <laughs> like an app like Keyboard Maestro for hours and never actually doing work. <laughs> so no, nothing I, wrong with that. No. no, no, no. And it's a great it's a great thing, but I have to be very careful which of those applications I allow in my life because it will soak up hours of fiddling time. Oh, true, yes. Okay. Yeah, me too. And I do that enough with shortcuts now on iOS. So I <laughs> You know, so I've chosen that to be the bucket that I fiddle with. And uh, but Keyboard Master is a great app. I'll check out their Keyboard Manager uh, to see it, see how that goes. With Keyboard uh, Maestro, I think most people, you buy it to solve one problem, and then you find right. that it does all of these other things. So recently, I have a client I'm doing some video work for, and they've loaned me this, this gorgeous ultra-wide monitor. And uh, I'm now using Keyboard Maestro to fling windows around. When I start on Apple Insider, it opens up all the apps, pops them into places so I can see everything. And then for the video work, uh, takes that all away. It's just two keystrokes, and I'm doing different pieces of work and it's a whole other side of keyboard maestro i only just discovered and i thought i knew that that well so hmm. yay for keyboard maestro yeah. so back to zoom which is where we started that was a, it was a great tangent uh, i loved it especially now as people are home you know get these fiddly apps it's a great time to do yeah it. good point yeah. yeah so the big news and this came out right before we started recording but an article went up on apple insider and there'll be links in show notes uh, members of the u.s senate and Google has now banned Zoom and banned uh, its – Google has banned its employees from using it. Uh, portions of Congress have now banned congressmen from using it. And this is after a New York City Department of Education uh, banned teachers from using the app to teach students remotely. And so this is on the heels of Zoom releasing a security update earlier this week, uh, changing how it installed on macOS and tried to remove some of their malware exploits. But this goes to the idea that once your image has been tarnished in a way like this with security and privacy, even in today's day, there's going to be ramifications. And so I find this very interesting, especially that it's kind of the de facto tool during this time. Some of the reasons, like from the Department of Education in New York, they were more afraid of kind of the Zoom bombing and people, you know, kind of jumping into a Zoom call and maybe having some inappropriate imagery or something going on. They didn't want students exposed to that that's interesting hard to know how zoom could stop that um but i don't know how it does it so i'll look at hazel for uninstalling zoom if you have found a way to uninstall zoom where it eliminates everything i'd love to hear but it's curious again it's so ubiquitous right now i feel like i still have to use it i would love to just use it on ios devices and that's kind of what i'm i'm trying to get to uh, but i don't know if you've used any of the alternatives recently namely webex is a big uh, alternative, and go to meeting. Do you have any experience with those recently? I haven't used WebEx, but go to meeting. Uh, I, I used to find it very fiddly, so I was actually quite glad of how easy Zoom was. But yes, it worked. I've run webinars uh, over go to meeting and things. So it just uh, feels like it's one of those apps that does the job and okay. It also feels like a Windows app running on Mac. It's sort of slightly fiddly, kind of does it. Yeah. You, you don't fall for it, Apple. Uh, is WebEx uh, better? Do you know that? I've used WebEx a couple times recently, and it's fine. You know, it's, it's very similar to Zoom in just its features and functionality. I think Zoom may have a little bit of an edge when it comes to dealing with many people. 
Uh, I did a WebEx call with about seven or eight. And if, unless everyone is muted except the person talking, it really struggles. So I think Zoom does a little better at that. Anyway, I'm, I'm curious how they're going to <laughs> solve these issues. Mm. They also recently hired, as they're putting into the head of secu- head of Zoom security, they hired former Facebook yes. chief security <laughs> Alex Stamos, which of all yes. the moves you can do in security and privacy, maybe look elsewhere than a former Facebook security <laughs> chief. He does lecture, doesn't he, in security now or something. I can't remember the detail. It makes more sense than it sounds. But yes, I yeah, thought it was, yeah. it was a funny headline. When we said about seven or eight people, I realised um, I'm, I'm deputy chair of the Writers Guild of Great Britain, and obviously we have lots of meetings like now. And there have been times in the last couple of weeks where I've been on a call with six or seven people video call through Zoom and at the same time uh, my wife Andrew's in another room in our house uh, doing a, a mass group call with her company and her company does it all through audio rather than video uh, and they mm. still have uh, connection problems with it and and I put this down to them being on Macs Frank, and excuse me being on PCs instead oh, of Macs yes. you know what can you do oh, I don't know so curious how how Zoom will handle this going forward. Again, they're trying to make updates frequently and say they've paused all new features until they've you know nailed down all the security privacy stuff. And uh, so we'll see. I'm sure everyone will still keep using them for the time being. You know, no one's slowed down. Yeah, those who don't follow technology news super closely, I think they're just going about business as usual using it. So we'll see how that uh, pans out. I also wanted to touch on this new video service that launched called Quibi, and that's Q-U-I-B-I. And Quibi launched on iPhone, and it is a video streaming service, much like Netflix and Hulu and all that. But its shtick is that it is specifically made for mobile devices, so much so that you cannot watch its content on Apple TV or on a Mac or in a web browser. It is specifically for mobile devices. And so it's interesting because they've formatted their video Number one, they've done short, like 10-minute clips. And so, you know, one of its tagline is, you know, watch a show in 10 minutes or less. And so it's all this original content that's short form. And watching on a phone, if you flip your device between landscape and portrait, the video will reframe wow. and look good either way. And uh, I've actually found it to do that pretty well. You know, if you're watching a show in portrait, the controls are really customized to that, so much so that the scrubber bar like if you want to scrub forward or backwards in the show it's actually vertical on the right side of the phone rather than being at the bottom and so they've they've thought that out pretty well and if you flip it to landscape it looks just like a normal video and the controls reorient so really cool idea as far as that i have found that there's not a ton of content that i'm super interested in and so finding something to watch has been you know a little bit of a Struggle, just can't find stuff that I that I like. But the other thing that you actually cannot watch it on somewhere else, you can airplay it or share screen, but you could tell it's really not made for that. Uh, it's really supposed to consume it on your mobile device. It's an interesting service. You could check it out. They're doing 90 days for free right now. So you can check it out, download the app and use it for free for 90 days. See if you find something you like on it. They have reality shows, comedies, some murder mysteries, all that kind of stuff. And then after that, it is either five or eight dollars, I believe. Eight dollars for no ads, five 
with ads. I immediately canceled the subscription and <laughs> it won't renew after the free trial. Because again, I just haven't seen service, but it's an interesting service. Check it out. But what is your experience? You said you struggled to sign up and get in there. I struggled to sign up, uh, but that's actually my bank's fault. Uh, let's call them out on it. Lloyds Bank. Lloyds Bank in the UK has a preposterous thing that you can only use Apple Pay so many times in a row before they will decline it because it might be fraudulent. So how many times in a row? they will not tell you. There is no documentation. <laughs> the support staff say they don't know. And the support staff will tell you that it's all right if you try again now it will work, but it doesn't. So yeah, there's Apple Pay. I have a, a thousand pound iPhone, biometric sensors on it, and Lloyds Bank's random security is stopping me subscribing to Quibi. Quibi. Wow. You said the name right, I can't. Um, I watched, <laughs> yeah, I went and watched the trailers for Korea, and I, you know, it's, you know, I'm not arrested, but I think that the length actually interests me because uh, I know we're all trained to think of half hours for sitcoms and hours for dramas, but those are good lengths for it. And, and as soon as I heard about this short form thing, I remember there was, there was a patch in the 80s when I think most the NBC tried taking its hour shows and reformatting those half hours, actually 80s and 90s, because Ali McBeal, Ali McBeal's the famous experiment, because uh -huh. it was a one hour show, David E. Kelly Productions, and it was also a half hour show called Ali. It was the same episode with one of the storylines mm -hmm. taken out, and it simply doesn't work. In that case, because they were editing it to a new length here with Quibi, 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 this place, they're building it to be that length. So hopefully it works better. But um, in here, the subscription is, uh, there's only appeared to be one choice of £7.99 uh, a month when I was trying to sign up. And that's the same price as the basic Netflix subscription. So I think I will just watch films and stop them every 10 minutes and <laughs> get the same effect. Well, there's that. And also, you know, YouTube exists. You know, when you when you talk about video formatted for that, you know, there's lots of I mean, Instagram TV and even YouTube has a stories type feature now where you can some videos are made portrait uh, for those who want to watch that. And YouTube has bite sized video content from seven to 10 minutes and even longer. So a whole service just geared toward mobile video. It seems like maybe not long for this world, considering that space already has things that occupy it. You know, I also think people eventually will hit a streaming service max. Yeah. And, you know, you had pointed out before we started recording that Disney Plus has now hit 50 million users, I believe, active. Is that right? That's right, which is four years ahead of when they thought they'd reach that, something like that. So astounding success for them. Right. And the quarantine, I'm sure, has, has helped true. those numbers, yes. you know. You know, I subscribe to, and I'd love to hear what you subscribe to as well, but I, I do Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, and Amazon. Yeah, because the, the delivery stuff, I don't watch a ton of Amazon Prime content, but I have that subscription. And also, AT&T here in the States had a deal with HBO Now. If you have one of their unlimited programs, they give you HBO Now for included. So I have that as well. I don't watch a ton on there, but I have HBO Now as well. The ones I actively pay for that I could cancel at any moment uh, or would if I stopped watching things were Netflix, Hulu, and Disney+. Plus. Once you cross that three to four streaming services, I don't feel like people are going to keep signing up for things. 
Isn't there a rather big one missing from your list there? I, you know, I, just at the tail end, I was thinking about it. And it's because I haven't paid for it yet because Apple threw it in with, you know, every iPod yes. to Mac Same Pro way. purchase. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, I do have Apple TV Plus because of the new hardware. Remains to be seen if I would actually pay for it, if it not free for that first year so i'm honestly surprised how little i watch uh, apple tv because every time i look at it i think the shows on it are good and they're all well made but i i'm not drawn back to them whereas i only recently caved and bought amazon prime because i was going to be ordering some stuff and then this came as a bonus and then star trek picard started and i thought well actually this is rather good right and i'm finding quite a lot and I, there's a show called modern love on uh, amazon prime which is just an utter gem mm. and i'm finding i'm watching amazon prime a lot more than I am Netflix to the extent that I've been considering dropping Netflix. Yeah, it's actually sometimes a struggle to find something on Netflix that you actually want to see. Yeah. Sometimes they have some good original content, kind of diamonds in the rough. Uh, some of their movies, there was actually the Triple Frontier with uh, who play, oh, Ben Affleck. That was actually a decent movie and they had a couple others. I've been watching The Good Place, so I have a reason oh, for it there. Love that But sometimes, yes. yeah, it's very enjoyable. I'm loving it. But there's also long stretches where I'll open Netflix and just have no desire (laughs) to see anything there. Uh, I think the Tiger King is kind of consuming everyone in Netflix. I've not jumped into that. No, I've I've been uh, putting it off and I'm not sure why. I will cave at some point. I don't don't know. I'm holding strong. We'll see. I should just say, because I'm in the UK, we have a thing called BritBox here, which I did subscribe to for a couple of months. We've got Acorn TV, both of which are in the States, are coming here soon for classic British television. Uh, There just wasn't quite enough, really, to hold me on BritBox. And we have the BBC iPlayer, which is a, a free service, which is... Uh, they've actually added tons of stuff through it over the coronavirus period so all of Doctor Who is on there and things all of the new Doctor Who and stuff so there's huge amount to watch without subscribing to anything yeah this is thing with subscription you mentioned um when you go over three and you're talking about the i suppose the economics of it really uh but i also think right. we only have the same number of hours in an evening right uh, so things will lose out and i am accidentally subscribed to disney plus um and i don't know whether to. <laughs> i miscounted the trial days and I oh, wanted to I watch see. solo before the trial ended up and i didn't quite manage it oh right so, no, I mean, The Mandalorian is pretty decent on there. Well, I have a US uh, press account with Disney Plus uh, because of Apple oh, Insider gotcha. and stuff. Uh, so I actually saw The Mandalorian. Um, it was one of the few shows that the press office put out for journalists to watch. So I watched all of it and I utterly loved that. So actually, that's a good point. I don't know if I'll have that next season. So that would be a reason, definitely a reason to stick with Disney Plus. Ah, right. you've just cost me some money. Thanks. <laughs> it's. I think that one's worth it. And especially if you have younger kids in the home disney plus is a great uh tool for that uh you know kids can find lots of stuff on there old cartoons like spider-man so but we'll see i i I don't know if quibi will stand the test of time no you know i I think a gimmick like 10 minute videos and being for iphone specific it's interesting i think might make people check it out at first uh, but they would really need a piece of standout TV to, yeah. to to really make it last. Well, same with any service, isn't it? But they do have good people. Uh, Jeffrey Katzenberger is uh, one of the founders, and he's been a name throughout television since what was late seventies and Star Trek and things like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, good people trying something new. Fingers crossed. This episode is sponsored by Masterclass. Masterclass is an online learning platform that has some of the biggest names in movies, music, cooking, makeup and beauty, science, and so much more. 
and you get to learn from these masters of their craft. Masterclass is available on all your devices. You can watch Masterclass on an Apple TV, iPad, iPhone, or just in the web. I love the Masterclass experience, and I've personally taken the Hans Zimmer class when he talks about music composition for film. I love seeing his home studio and hearing him talk about how he develops themes for certain characters. I would also encourage you to check out the Art of Negotiation class by Chris Voss. Chris Voss was a hostage negotiator for the FBI, and I've actually personally read his book, Never Split the Difference, and I was so excited to watch his masterclass talking about the art of negotiation. And honestly, if you are a freelancer or do any kind of contract work, that is a class you should definitely look into taking because it has so much valuable information for how to negotiate any kind of deal, contract, or business. I also enjoy watching them from my phone, and you can switch from video to audio in just a second. Masterclass even offers a 30-day money-back guarantee, and if you're not fully satisfied with your all-access pass purchase, you can get your money back within 30 days. And they have a special deal now with Apple Insider listeners. If you buy one annual Masterclass all-access pass for yourself, you can actually get one free to share with someone else. So go to masterclass.com slash Apple Insider to get started with this limited-time offer. Again, now is a great time. Sign up with a friend and you can watch many of these Masterclass courses. Trust me, you're going to want to take more than one. Masterclass.com slash Apple Insider and get an all-access pass for yourself and one free to share. Our thanks to Masterclass for sponsoring this episode. So you had an article go up, William, this week about book recommendations uh, for, you know, especially during this time uh, of the quarantine. And I saw just in the header picture before I even read it, uh, you had Creative Selection on there mm-hmm. by Ken Cosienda. I recently finished that book. And if you are, you know, longtime Apple follower and, you know, really like to hear the behind the scenes, the details of what goes on in some of those meetings and the development that creative selection book is really a gem, and I loved hearing about it. Ken Cosienda worked on some of the early Safari development, and then he his biggest project was the keyboard on the original iPhone and the iPad, and his experience and him telling the stories of his pitch meetings, some even with Steve Jobs, some with Scott Forstall. They're just tremendous stories, extremely interesting, and he has some great advice and strategies, especially for those that work on either a development team or a creative team, really any kind of team where you're trying to accomplish something. He's got some great thoughts about project management and retaining creativity and solving problems. So highly recommend that creative selection book. And maybe we can go back and forth and suggest some, but Tell me, what are some things that uh, you've been recommending? Well, I liked all of them. Uh, well, I suppose I read the features. Of course, I picked out my favourites. But uh, of them all, if I could only pick, I was going to say if I can pick one, I can't do it. Can't do it. Can I pick two? Uh, <laughs> I'll pick three to five. It's good. I mean, people are home, so let's. Oh, cool. Uh, Apple Confidential 2.0 by uh, Owen uh, Litson Mayo, I think it's pronounced. It, it's uh, history of Apple up to when the book came out in 2004. So, you know, incredibly out of date, not even a hint of an iPhone in it, but a deeply absorbing read for it and, and just terribly. Actually, that's one of the things I picked for it. I thought, yes, there are 
topics that are interesting and people that are interesting but is it just a really good read and my absolute favorite of the whole set i mentioned uh is the one about johnny ive by leander carney um mm. uh, i just i read it it was like a novel and i don't know why that one works so much i mean johnny ive is really interesting uh, he didn't contribute to the book so all the interviews with him are, are secondhand but it still was just i was actually one of those books where i was sorry that it finished to the end so mm. that's oh, that a good one and actually i was thinking sorry just you you set me off on no, books no it's wonderful i counted uh, after i done it i realized i mentioned 14 books in this feature and there <laughs> is a 15th ah. that i was right on the bubble about but since the article came out i found it again on my shelves and i've been rereading it uh stephen levy's um insanely great uh the life and times of macintosh uh hang on it's a longer title life and times of macintosh the computer that changed everything mm. um i think uh 94 1994 or so there's a couple of points where i feel like he's almost apologizing for apple's success he's kind of justifying uh why it's interesting because windows has copied it and things like that but when you get past that he had such interesting access with everybody he had an early demo of the very first mm. macintosh before anybody knew what it was uh, and it's just mm. terribly absorbing so yeah sometimes you just need to get away yeah. don't you from uh coronavirus news uh when is the iphone se2 coming out all of this stuff and just absorb yourself in something fun now you do mention <laughs> you mentioned the steve jobs biography yeah by walter isaacson <laughs> So yeah. I know there's the there's a Walter Isaacson, which is kind of like the official yes. biography, I guess you would say. <clears throat> and then there's the other Steve Jobs biography, which I'm trying to remember the author. Do you remember off the top of your head? Oh, this one called the, Being Steve Jobs, isn't it? Or Becoming Steve Jobs. And I'd forgotten yes. that one. Yes, Becoming Steve Jobs. That is by Brent Schlender. And I know when, when that biography came out, there were lots of, and there's a bunch of you know biographies of Steve Jobs, but these were kind of the two big biographies that came out after he passed away. And a lot of the Apple pundits really leaned towards the Brent Schlender becoming Steve Jobs biography uh, because they just felt like it was, it was better written and a better representation. I know I've read some of that and I read all of the Walter Isaacson book. Uh, but t tell me your thoughts. I'm sure you've said this in the past, uh, probably closer to when the biography came out, but what were your general feelings and thoughts about that Isaacson piece? A continual repeated annoyance, mm. actually. <laughs> uh, if you know anything uh, about the Apple story, um, you find some of it uh, aggravating because I think just actually as, as a journalist, I found it was problematic because um, he did a, Walter Isaacson did a very good thing of asking Steve Jobs interesting questions and getting answers and not just automatically believing them he would go off and talk to other people to get other points of view mm -hmm. but the way he arranges it every time in the book is here's steve jobs saying something here's bill gates somebody else saying no that's nonsense it's this instead and that's it yeah. there's never going back to steve jobs and there are times when you know bill gates was full of it frankly i mean <laughs> steve jobs was more than capable of that but there are times yeah. when actually jobs was right but the sequence and it was always that jobs is wrong for it and just that inability to see that soured the book and yeah i remember reading the, uh, becoming uh, steve jobs overnight on the night it came out to review it and i liked it but i can't remember a single other thing so um if you say it's better written, I'm going to go back and try that one again. Thank you. So the, you have the two biographies. You know, even if the writings and style and all that aside, you know, it's always interesting just to hear some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. 
and uh, and and both of those books have it. One recommendation you made in your article, and I'm so glad you did because I was going to make it as well. The book about the Pixar story, Creativity Inc. Oh yes, by Ed Catmull and Amy Wallace. I have read this couple times, and I. This is, I'm a huge proponent of this book, especially for those who work on a creative team or work in some, again, any kind of team, especially looking for communication strategies and to better themselves. I still remember the book talking about in a team setting, the two elements you need is trust and candor. And with trust and candor, just it exponentially increases the amount of quality communication you can have and the ways you can work together. It is just an incredible book, and I encourage everyone that Creativity Inc., even if you're interested in just Pixar or you're interested in the team dynamics, I, I highly recommend uh, the Creativity Inc. book. Well, you didn't say the words out of my mouth because I hadn't said it, but that's exactly what I think, too. Except, actually, I realize uh, th- that book is not about Apple. It's slightly off. Right, I think. It's right. uh, a and that... I mean, there are others we mentioned in that feature that for the same reason. Uh, one of the reasons for doing this was, of course, we all have the time to read now. But another is there are so many incredibly bad books about Apple. They're picking out these ones that right. are great. I just go, so if anybody knows any others, I mean, you've just uh, reminded me of becoming Steve Jobs and things. Any mm-hmm. others, uh, let's have them. We've got the time to read now. I want more. Yes, would love to hear recommendations, listeners. If you have any, you can tweet at William or myself or email us. We'd love to hear your recommendations and maybe we can include it in a future post and talk about it on next week's episode of the podcast as well. But uh, any other last minute recommendations you might have for people? Yeah, oh no, all right, no, I'm going to do it. I, I hesitated for a very particular reason, but there, there is a revolution in the valley by Andy Hertzfeld. Um, and he's not somebody who's just writing about the origins of the Mac. He was one of the people who made the Mac. So it's amazingly insightful, amazingly informed and on the spot thing. My only slight hesitation is that he built the book out of his website and the website is full of very, very short anecdotes. So it just feels like a really, really bitty Mm. read. But each individual bit uh, is utterly fascinating and the illustrations and things he has access to. So yeah, Revolution in the Valley, Andy Hertzfeld. That's good. I'm also, I'm going to recommend one uh, just kind of random, not Apple-like specifically, but kind of um, in the realm of business and all that kind of stuff. But it is the, it's a book called Range by David Epstein. Have you heard of this book? No. So Range, the book is about the idea of how society and culture kind of glorifies the early expert. And they compare Tiger Woods with Wayne Gretzky. And, you know, everyone looks at Tiger Woods as he started golfing and at age three and became an early expert, practiced this one thing, became the best. And that's how you're supposed to become an expert in a field, starting at an early age, doing nothing else. And that is how you succeed. And this book is talking about how actually that is not uh, the best way to succeed, especially in business and leadership. And uh, it's extremely interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of it. And so, yeah, Range by David Epstein. I have opened the page on Amazon Co. UK for that very book right now. Thank you. Very good. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Have you looked at your wireless bill lately? Let's be honest, you're probably paying too much. It's 2020. Network coverage is better than ever. Why pay more every month for the same network coverage? That's where Mint Mobile comes in. You can cut your bill down to just 15 bucks a month for the same premium coverage. The reason why? They don't have brick and mortar stores they're trying to support. They pass their savings down to you. 
I actually personally use Mint Mobile and I have found their data coverage and service to be incredible. Super fast LTE speeds, unlimited talk and text nationwide is available with every Mint Mobile plan. And it's just a great service. Their website, everything is extremely user-friendly. You can port over your old phone number and keep your phone number on the Mint Mobile plan or get a brand new phone number. If you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. They're actually one of the coolest owners too. Ryan Reynolds, you may know him as Deadpool. So get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free. Go to mintmobile.com slash Apple Insider. That's mintmobile.com slash Apple Insider. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Apple Insider. Let's finish up with a lightning round. Uh, I'll mention first there was an image of an iPhone 12, uh, possibly kind of a artist, uh, a drawing or rendering, and it showed a smaller notch than the current iPhone. The notch smaller being smaller in width, not necessarily smaller in height, I guess you could say. So it's a it's a slightly less wide notch and also showed the possibility of widgets on the iPhone home screen that would not be static placement like it is on the iPad, but widgets that would actually move with home screens as you scroll uh, through your different home screens and such like that. And you could place it on other home screens if you would like. And I know Every Android user will say, yes, this has been on Android <laughs> since day one. Yes. I, I get it. I understand. <laughs> it uh, would be new to the iPhone home screen. I'd be curious your your feelings about this. Honestly, the notch, a smaller notch is great. You know, I'm one waiting for the day that there will be no notch, whatever day that will be in the future. And the, the widget thing, you know, I honestly don't use that widget dashboard screen on the iPhone and iPad very much. Uh, but it would be curious, maybe it, this will open the the door for developers to do something interesting with widgets on a, a whole main home screen. So we'll see. But uh, have any feelings about that? Well, I actually have a friend whose company uh, is uh, have gives them iPhones as part of their duties, and uh, she said that they were considering updating them to what is something called the iPhone XR. And I, I told her it was 10R, <laughs> of, of course, and she looked at me like yep. that. Uh, and I was trying to say that, it, yes, this is a good thing because it's got, hang on, has it got Face ID? Does it have a notch? I couldn't remember. The notch is so small, mm. I'd actually totally forgotten. So I had to go off and look it up, and yes, it does. And she's she's oh, now yeah. hopeful for it. Um, but you really quite shocked me, though, when you were saying you don't use the widgets on the iPad because I thought I did. I, I, I was very keen on that. I always thought the I, iPad was quite ugly with her based out those icons were so I like that it's now small and tighter and I have my OmniFocus to-do list and things in the widgets but I realize I still just go straight into OmniFocus I, I don't look at the list at all I'm actually nowhere near as much of a heavy user as I would have thought I would be that's that's quite startling yeah, honestly, the, the most useful widgets that I have used is the battery level so oh, if yes. I have my yes. Apple Pencil and AirPods I can see where the battery is at a glance. I do have the weather widget on there. I have some shortcuts, but honestly, I will yeah. sooner do like a long press on the shortcuts app and launch one from there. Well, I find the shortcuts stuff frustrating because um, I've created hundreds of them and without realizing every one of them has the um, including widgets bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, ticked. Yeah. So I had to untick loads of those, and then I reorganized them so that they were available. That my top four were available in my shortcuts. And then I must have synced somewhere, somewhere oddly, because my iPad and my iPhone talked to each other, reorganized them all. And at the moment, I have four 
that I never use in my top list. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Shortcuts uh, organization is, still needs to come a long way. Please bring folders to the shortcuts so we can organize it that way. So. Yes. So we'll see. And then you also have all those half-created shortcuts. At least I know how I yes, do. And they're kind of true. way down the list and just taking up room. And you don't want to take the time to jump into all of those. So. Uh, I can't remember which is which. So, yes. Uh, I yeah. Once I get it working, I make a copy to make the next fiddle. Exactly. And then after a bit, am I using the original one or the fiddled one? So. Exactly. You never know. You never know. So, yeah, that, that'll be – hopefully those will be better organized in iOS 14. The last thing maybe we can touch on – there was an article that came out earlier this week about Apple's sleep and health tracking ambitions might even extend to other items like blankets and mattresses. I'll have you talk about, uh, you wrote this article actually in a moment, but there were the rumors that sleep tracking, which has not been native to Apple devices, might be coming in iOS 14. And so rather than having to use a third-party app, Apple will provide its own sleep tracking. And so tell me about some of the devices that uh, might be coming, according to the rumors. Well, the thing that got me, I, I came in expecting this. Uh, I keep hearing about sleep tracking coming to the Apple Watch. Um, in fact, I, I've heard about it so often, I couldn't remember that it wasn't there. I had to check that it wasn't. Um, oh, yeah. uh, but now look into this, and this is, this is clearly nothing to do with the Apple Watch. It's very, very specific about sleep tracking without people having to wear devices at all. Mm. And it's done as... Um, uh, an enhancement of the Bedit thing. Uh, Bedit, which Apple bought, um, I think it was sometime last year, year before, I can't remember now, uh, has this little strip of material that you put under your bedclothes and uh, lie on it at least part way. This would expand that to be practically the whole mattress. Uh, they call it a mat, it's unclear how big it would be, but big enough to register two people lying on it. So it's like an electric blanket. And then we're going through this thinking that could be quite interesting. And then they start talking about an over blanket as well. And the little diagrams of how uh, where the top blanket uh, touches the top of your mattress uh, can indicate your movement and things like this. And all I can think of now is, will, will it have an Apple logo on it? Will it be a duvet with some gorgeous Apple imagery on it? And that's not probably not what they're after, no. really. I thought the cleverest thing was uh, this thing of uh, monitoring two people because there's a, a note uh, in the patent saying that someone's disturbed sleep patterns will affect the person next to them. So uh, monitoring both of them together will help suggest things yeah. for the two. And it would never have occurred to me about that. So uh, it's a clever thing. I just, I kind of want an Apple blanket. Let's, let's, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever done sleep tracking? with a watch before um no i think i tried it once and i forgot to charge my f uh, watch uh the next morning so my watch died in the day and i thought yeah forget this what about you are you a dedicated sleep tracker uh i'll go in and out i'll do it faithfully for you know a few weeks to a couple months and then not but it is interesting the kind of data you can get uh you know talking about restful sleep and non-restful sleep and you know if you're faithful to tell it how you feel the next morning you know you can't see the the patterns i mean the spoiler alert to all the sleep tracking is you should probably sleep more and <laughs> and not go to bed at two in the morning you know that's kind of the yes <laughs> the, the general advice of that all these apps give you but it's interesting enough compared to last week talking about how dark sky and how you know i don't want developers to be disincentivized from producing that i would like a first party option for sleep tracking uh, just because I think I'd like to see how Apple does it. You know, while I don't use Apple's health app a ton to track certain things, 
you know, if I want to track the sleep, I'd like to just do it in there with all the other stuff. Hmm. Did you use Dark Sky? Did do love Dark Sky. Um, it's not actually as useful in the UK as it is in the States. Uh, this this killer feature that it will tell you to the minute when the drizzle is about to stop. That depends on having enough data sources and presumably there aren't any enough in the UK because it's, it's quite approximate for it. And yet it's still good enough that it's the best weather app. Yeah. I've ever used. Um, I intended to do some stuff with shortcuts and use the Dark Sky API, and I never quite got around to it. And now that's presumably going away, um, as that's how right. things like Carrot Weather use and stuff. Uh, so I feel sorry for those other weather apps. But I'm, yeah, if I was Apple and I was going to buy a weather app, Dark Sky is the one I'd get. So Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you have any feedback, again, we'd love to hear what books you're reading. Any suggestions again for Zoom? I'm going to try out this Hazel. Thank you, William, for that suggestion. We'll yeah. Check that out later. But if you have any suggestions, ideas, book recommendations, please tweet at us. I'll have links to William's Twitter and myself in show notes. You can also email us. That will be in the show notes as well. And we'd love to hear your feedback. Also, if you could give us a five-star rating with a comment in Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate that feedback as well. And we're glad you tuned in. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.